When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good evening and welcome back to the same old Arsenal team talk. I'm your host, Dan Potts, as ever. And we're going to get stuck into Arsenal versus Burnley, which is on Sunday. And I am delighted to be joined by Mr. Russell Hogg at Guna Russ 11. Russ, how you doing, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for looking coming forward, on, man. Look, yeah, looking forward to the game. <laughs> <laughs> is that being sarcastic or is that being truthful? <laughs> That's being sarcastic. Yeah, mate, I can I can sense it, Russ. I can sense <laughs> it. Mate, we're going to go straight into it because I had to take a break for a couple of days just because I was getting so frustrated with what I was seeing on the football pitch. But I'm going to ask you these questions and I'm going to start. I'm going to ask this question, who's to blame? And I'm going to look at it two sides. I'm going to look at it currently, who's to blame? And I'm going to look at the bigger picture, who's to blame? And I'm going to let you talk about the bigger picture after I've had this monologue because I want to talk about Mikel Arteta just quickly. I am fed up with looking at the same lineup and expecting to see something different. It's a bit like me changing my car tires and using water balloons. And every time they keep bursting, I keep putting water balloons on and wondering why they keep bursting. I'm not changing them to the tires that I know are going to last. For me, that's exactly what Mikel Arteta is doing. He's looking at the likes of Bellerin, the likes of Chaka, the likes of Willian, the likes of Lacazette. And he's looking at the bench and bringing Eddie and Ketty on every single time. It's not working. I want to see something different. And I asked him in these next three games to show me a solution. And the solution was throwing Joe Willock on for a few minutes against Leeds. That, for me, was absolutely nothing of what I wanted to see. So I asked him to do me some, show me something different after Aston Villa, where we got pummeled 3-0 at home. He didn't show me anything different against Leeds, Wolves or Spurs. We got a point off of Leeds, which was lucky because we were down to 10 men and they hit the bar about three times, supposed twice. We lost the Wolves and got dominated in midfield and up front. And of course, against Spurs, I was absolutely embarrassed <coughs> to see the tactics of Mikel Arteta. For us to go there and try to play football and be shocked that they would hit us on the counter-attack twice and score twice is, is beyond me. I see in the prediction leagues on Facebook groups, in my WhatsApp groups, oh, 4-0 Arsenal, 3-1 Arsenal, 3-0 Arsenal. I don't know what these Arsenal fans are watching. I said 2-0 Spurs and everyone said, on this podcast, I said 2-0 Spurs. Everybody slated me in the comments. I was getting rinsed. 
oh my god Dan, <laughs> you're absolute you know you've gone against the club tribalism all this stuff i can only say what i think is going to happen and what happened we got totally dominated i said in the game 2-0 spurs when i saw the team line up look at what happened we had all the ball, did nothing with it. The reason we got yeah. dominated is because we went on the break twice and we were the game was over in like the first half. He played Thomas Party in a position which I love him in, but you have to have a player next to him with legs. He played Chaka. He's a statue. The guy has got no energy, no athleticism whatsoever. So as much as I don't think it's just Mikel Arteta, I'm looking at him and blaming him very much so at the moment because he's picking these same players. And people say to me, yeah, but who else has he got to choose from? We've seen quite a lot of options on every Thursday night at the moment currently, and we see them again last night performing. So that's why I'm looking at the manager at the moment. So when people say to me who's to blame currently, I'm going to look at the manager because he's picking these same players and he's putting the trust in these players that both Wenger and Unai Emery did in the Bellerins, who took another foul throw, by the way, which is five <laughs> foul throws in 11 days. <clears throat> and he still plays the guy. And not only does he tell him off or discipline the guy afterwards, he then goes to the FA and complains because they were harsh on, on Bellerin and they haven't been looking at everybody else. Don't you learn, boy? That's five foul throws in 11 games. And we're still picking him. So on Sunday, I'm looking, we'll get into the team news later, but I'm looking at Sunday for some changes and I'm not expecting to see him because why would I? He showed me nothing different in the last three games and I expect to see nothing different on Sunday. I'm enjoying Thursday nights at the moment, Russ, more than weekends. That's how bad it's got. So yeah. that's why I'm looking at Arteta. I just want to get your take on that before we move on to kind of the board and the owners and other stuff. What do you make of what's going on at the moment in terms of our team selection? Am I right to feel frustrated, Russ? Yeah, 100%, because <clears throat> some some of the answers seem to be as plain as a pike staff, don't they? Some of the answers um, on a Thursday night, we're seeing some of the answers to our problems. And we seem to have got the fixtures and the personnel arse about face. Um, it's a peculiar one. Um, what does he do to change this? This right, he's got to make some bold decisions. He's he, he has made mistakes. He has kept playing the old faithful, the ones that have let us down for year after year after year. Um, he has got to make some really big decisions. And, and now we're and now we're out of the uh, the Thursday night league. Now he's got the chance between now and February to start rotating the squad properly and to start giving some of these kids a chance because. <laughs> We're not going to see anything different from William. We're not going to see anything different from Xhaka. We've seen their best, and it ain't good enough, I'm afraid. I wouldn't have touched William with a barge pole. I just think that was a desperation sign. I really don't understand where we're, where we're, where we're coming from, going for players like that. For the money that's cost us in wages, we could, have, we could have invested that in some young talent that wants to fucking play football, not, not sad its career. That's another signing that's eight years too late. David Luiz, eight years too late. We've missed them. We've missed the peak of their powers. The only one that's gone right in reverse is Giroud going to Chelsea because they've done with Giroud what we never did. They never supplied him with the ball, early ball into the box. Now, if we're Giroud playing now, <laughs> as much as I didn't rate him, it's ideal for him now. If 30 crosses come in the box, he's going to get on the end of at least two of them and he's going to score because that's what he does. And we were expecting him to be this Thierry Henry hold-up Bergkamp type player, which he was never going to be. So we've had lots of those issues in the past. I'm still seeing the same issues. I'm still seeing square pegs in round holes. Um, I, I, can't really, I can't really blame Arteta. I didn't want him in the first place, so I, I can't really blame him. And we're going to go into that a bit later on. It's, it is a rock and an hard place, this one. I, I feel so frustrated because in amongst that group of players, we have got a team. We have got a team. We proved it. We went, we went from playing 3-5-2 against those big sides and doing to teams like Tottenham what Tottenham did to us at the weekend. Why on earth are we going to Leeds and to Tottenham with an open game and then... I don't understand the logic of it. Why change something that's not broken? We were getting big results in those big games. All right, it wasn't pretty to watch. I'm sure there's a lot of Tottenham fans out there. 
a whinging at the moment. That's not pretty to watch what they're seeing. And if there was fans in the stadium, by the way, they wouldn't be doing what they're doing. I, I trust, trust me, they wouldn't be. Um, yeah, the problem is, Donna, it's absolutely spot on. The, the, the team he's in, inherited is awful. The, um, the recruitment has been awful. Um, I, and I know people are going to say, oh, Mr. Well, old Augie coming on here, moaning about everything. There's nothing, there's nothing positive to say. It's this positivity when there isn't any that has been the club's downfall. Negativity, criticism, is not negative. It's critical. Being critical is positive. Because if you're just got towing the line with everything and agreeing with everything, guess what? Nothing changes. And that's what we've seen with our football club. Since 2012, nothing's changed inherently in the way it's run, the way its, prof its profits are spent, the way its dividends are paid out. Nothing's changed. And uh, we're gonna, I know we're going to come on to that a bit later on. Personnel-wise, football's a simple game. When you see, when we did actually get round the back of Tottenham, we put two decent crosses in, we actually had two chances. Kevin Campbell alluded to this. You've got to get to your byline. You've got to make overloads. You've got to put the ball in early when you get to the byline. Not look up a second time. And don't take short corners, for God's sake. Short corners went out of fashion fucking 15 years ago. What are we doing taking short corners? Get the ball in, especially when you've put two centre-halves in the box and you're taking a short corner. Put it in the box. Get it in the mixer. Football's a simple game. You watch Burnley. They play the game simple. They, they won't get flustered. They will be quite in control of themselves. I very much doubt we'll overrun them. If we can get a result, I'll be over the moon now. I'll tell you that now. Um, what does he do team selection-wise? Well, I'm the same as you. I'd like to see him dump all the rubbish that's been underperforming and only turning up when it feels like it, because they do turn up when they feel like it. When it's a big game, like the FA Cup final or the semi-final, they turn up. Your Sabayas and your Jackers, they turned up. When they've got a system to play in, when they can be cautious and when they haven't got to take the game to anyone, yeah, they could do a job. But... <sighs> Surely we should be looking a little bit more than that now. Surely we should be looking for players that we moved to the Emirates for. We moved to the Emirates to compete. Now, I'm hearing now, we can't even compete with RB Leipzig, which was the old locomotive Leipzig, for, a, for an up-and-coming midfield player. Well, we listen, can't even... Kevin said it there, and he tell the truth 100%. We got we got sold a dream, uh, sold down the river, leaving Highbury, and this is why we moved to this place to compete. And you've just said it there that Dominic Shabbos lie. We are being told is favourite to go to Leipzig now. So, and you think about it, Russ. Why why would he come to Arsenal at the moment? Because Leipzig are in a better position than Arsenal, are they not? Yeah. The other the other question you've got to ask is why are we continuously linked with these players that we do not not ever sell? Benzema, Higuain. Uh, the list is massive and it's spin. It's spin pre-transfer windows to keep the fan base dumbed down and quiet. I'm afraid I'm going to say some harsh words here. Our fans are thick because they suffer the three-card trick every single time. When are you all going to wake up and learn that this is nonsense you're being fed? It's spin. It's a marketing strategy. There's a brilliant thread on Twitter. Um, I think the, the chap's name's Arsenal Unfiltered. He put a brilliant yeah, thread brilliant. up the other day about what's gone wrong with Arsenal Football Club. And I know he was talking about Burnley and shapes of teams and, and all that stuff. But once I get into full ramp mode, I can't no, help you myself. You go for it, mate. He came out with a thread which I advise any of the listeners or watchers on here to go and have a look at. Read it and honestly look at yourselves and think, yeah, that's me. It was me. It was me until about 2014-15. I was suffering the same thing. I emailed the club several occasions asking in 2012. You don't get a reply, but it makes you feel better. I asked them, why our injury problems? This is eight years ago. Why are our injury problems the worst in the premiership? Why do we start games like we're on a training pitch? Every single game, we, we're slow to start. We don't start playing until we're 1-0 down. 
Why has we got no captain of the team? Why are we spineless away from home when it, when it comes on top? Why isn't there anyone communicating on the pitch? Why aren't the players telling each other off when things go wrong? All these things I brought up eight years ago, and eight years later, nothing's changed. The only thing that's changed is where we were making money every year, we're not making any money anymore. Pandemic is a special circumstance. That's a once in a 40 generation thing. Um, since the Great Plague, we've been all locked down like this. Um, so that's an extenuating situation, but it's the same for every single football club. Every single football club is in this same boat. So therefore, when you're going for transfer targets, they're all in the same boat. They've got no money. They need money. Negotiate hard. This is what I don't see with our football club. I don't see any accountability. I don't see a plan. And I don't see the things that are going wrong being put right. And I'm talking about Peter Hillwood, um, Robin Van Persie. I mean, a lot of Robin Van Persie got absolute bucketfuls of hate when he left this club. From me as well, on my hands up, I gave him bucketfuls of hate because he went to the enemy. But when you see what Peter Hillwood told him at the negotiation table, he brought out books. He said, look, Robin, he said, look how well we're doing. We're financially secure. We're financially secure. Why would you want to go to Man United? They're in big trouble. They've got a lot of debt. We're financially secure. Look. And he went, I don't give a shit if we're financially secure. He goes, we haven't got the players to compete. I'm off. See you later. I'm ambitious. You're not. And that is the whole problem with this football club. As Kevin just said, the winning mentality has disappeared in smoke. And now all we've got is platitudes and uh, and nonsense spin coming out of the football club 24-7. Do your research. There's a fellow called Tamago Collins who runs the PR department. He works for KSE. He works for hotel groups. He's a director of several different things, charitable causes, etc. Might be a very nice man, but he's the man responsible for spinning out all this rubbish. It's a marketing exercise. It's a marketing exercise, and it's going horribly wrong now because they're left with nothing to sell. The team has got no fight. The team, I'm honestly worried. I said this to Kevin weeks ago when we had a private chat. I said, I'm extremely concerned to the form of the team. I'm extremely concerned that there's players just picking up their wages who don't give a toss about winning. Holding the other day gets put out in front of the camera. Oh, yeah, we hope. We hope to turn this around. You fucking hope to turn it around? What the fucking hell are you talking about? Hope to turn it around. You fucking got to turn it around. This is Arsenal Football Club we're talking about. We're not a fucking Banbury FC. It's Arsenal Football Club. We could be in a relegation fight if we ain't careful. Hope to turn it around. That made my blood boil. And I like Rob Holding, but he was wheeled. This is the thing, see? They wheel them out. They wheel them out, and they get all this shit. And I'm afraid there's a lot of players. There's a lot of players. Um, some He said this in that thread. There's a lot of players who, who get wheeled out um, by Arsenal to toe the line, and they obviously get grace and favour, go to games and stuff like that. And they're not telling it how it bloody well is. They're not telling it that it is not being run as a football club. It's not even being run properly as a business because if this was run properly as a business, then we would be winning things and we would be even more successful business-wise. They've got it all arse about face. I've got what to have a touch what do you make of this, Russ? Because this is a great rant and you're getting a lot of love, by the way, in, in the chat. I mean, a lot of anyone people who saying, don't love this, oh. Anyone who don't love this has got shit in their eyes because this is coming from my heart, right? And if you think, saying, oh, well, nothing will change, well, nothing will change if we don't do fuck all about it. That's the problem. This is what we've been hearing for years. We heard the same thing about Wenger. Oh, Wenger will never leave. He's, got, he's, he's getting us in the Champions League every year. Look how that ended up. That ended up going to shit because the man at the top, the man at the top 
does not give a flying fuck about this football club. He does not give a fuck. Sorry about the language. He, he, he does not give a toss about it. He doesn't even know when we're playing. He hasn't got a clue. And he certainly doesn't hurt like we do, as Lee Judge said the other day. He certainly don't hurt like we do when we lose to them lot up the road. We haven't won there for six years. This isn't acceptable. It's not acceptable. We were sold a dream of competing with Bayern Munich and Barcelona and Real Madrid, and we can't even beat fucking Wolves at home. Come out there. Come out and fucking tell us what your plan is, or fuck off and sell up. Listen, it's, it's spot on, and I think that, you know, this is what this is. This football, I say this football club. I wouldn't say this football club. So the club's not doing this to us. It's individuals that are doing this to us. And I've had to take a break off of stuff for a few days just to chill out because it's got to the stage where I'm angry. I'm hurting, Russ, and I feel your pain. I feel everything you're saying. Everyone in the chat is saying it's spot on. They're all saying your language is, is spot on because it's so frustrating at the moment. It's passion. It's real. Yeah. Let's just concentrate for the next 10 minutes on on um, on Stan Kroenke because I think it's important. A lot of people say it's not just him, and I would say that some people have backed up their opinions to suggest that it is not all just him. We'll be looking at this as being one of the main problems. I want to get your take on the Stan Kroenke situation in terms of what he's given us because people will say he, he, he gave us 50 million for party. He gave us 72 million for Pepe. He's he hasn't given us fuck all. Apparently. So and what's your take on this? Because this is what people are saying. And what's your reaction to that? What's your answer to the people that believe that he gives us a lot uh, of money? To I've, got to get, I've got to get these figures up. I just, just excuse me one second because my brain's well, not... Why don't you do that? I'll tell you what. I've got a super chat coming. Thank you very much, London Gang, yeah. for your kind donation. Uh be great to have Russ speaking to Arteta. <laughs> I think not just Arteta, everybody at this it, club. It's not just It's not just that, that to that fella. It's not just that. It's... When, when you're selling... I'm a salesman, right? I sell fishing tackle for a living. When, when you're selling something, if you don't believe in it 100%, then you can't sell. Now, when we have a player coming... When we, when we have a player coming to, to, to the training ground, Erling Haaland being a prime example, did they have someone like me, like David Dean probably was, Selling the club to them. This is our vision. This is what we want to do. We want you to be part of our future. You're the man to lead us forward. Sell the club. Not like, well, this is our trading ground. It's very nice. And uh, oh, we turn over £400 million a year. And oh, your wages will be this. That's all bullshit. A player like Erling Ireland, who's a very talented player, went around all the big clubs, touted himself. And Kevin will tell you, David Dean would sell ice to the Eskimos. He would sell ice to the Eskimos and he loved Arsenal and he knew the club inside out. One thing Cronky doesn't, doesn't, doesn't know, he doesn't know any of our junior players' names. He doesn't know any of our reserve team's players, sorry, players' names and he probably doesn't know any of the first team players' names. So when you've got someone like that leading the ship who doesn't give two flying fucks about who's playing where and what does what, that transmits down the food chain, down the management. My point about accountability is when things go shitty wrong, the, the only person that people are blaming is Arteta. When when 90% of the people, if, the, if they'd have listened to the fans, which they don't ever do, they'll feed us shit, but they will never listen to us. We all wanted Allegri, you no, know, to different degrees amongst the fan base. Allegri, Simeone, Ancelotti, even Benitez. Because why? Because they were Premier League or Champions League experienced, and they had run big clubs before. And I said at the time, I love, I love Arteta, by the way, and I don't, I'm not campaigning to get him removed but I never wanted him here in the first place because of all these things that are going on above, or the lack of things that are going on above, should I say. The lack of action from above. You can't run an institution like Arsenal Football Club from a ranch in America telling other people what to do once a year. It don't work like that. This is a massive worldwide institution. 
that have a lot of love around the world. And we're, we're in danger of losing all that love. We're in danger of Russ, losing it. Russ, let me just share this screen because what I want to do is bring up this. This is something you sent me the other day, which I think is important to just touch on before we move into the Burnley. So I want to talk about this because I don't know how, how well you're going to see this on the screen <clears throat> personally, but let's make that. I've got it in front of me on my phone, Dan, so I can see there you it. Go. So, so everyone can see that. This is the net spend that we're talking about. You've got it on your phone. You'll probably be able to yeah. read it better than me, actually. So let's go through that, Russ. What do you make of this net spend thing? Because everyone tells me that Cronky spent loads of money and Arsenal <laughs> spent loads of money. Right, OK. It's not just, it's not just what's spent. It's the way you've spent it and, and how you've recouped some of it. So this is quite scary reading. This is the last. This is the transfer league for the last five seasons. So people can s now see through the spin and the bullshit. Manchester City's Manchester City's net spend, uh, sorry, net spend per season is 101 million for over five years. That's 818 million pounds they've spent in five years, but they've recouped 312. So they've got a net spend of 505. Man United, 70, I won't go for all the things, but I'll just give you the next spend. 75.8 million. Chelsea, this is the surprising one. 26.6 million. Everton, 55 million. Arsenal, 49 million. And then um, just below us, bearing in mind Brighton were in the championship for, for two out of the three Two out of the five years, thirty-nine and a half million. So they're a ten million pound Arsenal football club, a world leading brand. They've spent two hundred thousand pounds a week less than us in a year. Less than Ozil's wages, but that's what they've spent less than us in one year. Now the scary part of this is how appallingly this, this club's been run. And if there were shareholders meeting, they'd be going mad. They'd be going absolutely mental. Arsenal, we've spent £443 million in, uh, in five years. We've recouped £194. It's one of the worst in the whole Premier League in, in the bigger clubs. It is the worst. And it made us a net spend of £50 million, million pounds a year. So when people say, oh, well, Stan's put loads of money into the club. Stanley Cronkey has not put a brass farthing into Arsenal Football Club. Get that fact into your heads. He bought his first initial shares, which he paid shareholders for. He didn't pay Arsenal for them. He paid the going rate to shareholders, bought up shares. And then when he bought when he bought Usmanov out, because Usmanov offered him a very, very fair price, one point six billion pounds for his sixty-five percent, which I should think he would rip his arm off for now, by the way. It's looking rather sad now with his turnover going down the shit house every year. For th it's one point six billion pounds he offered Usmanov for. He, he he didn't, so the Usmanov sold him the shares. Basically it was a compulsory order anyway. Once he'd, once he'd refused the hostile takeover bid, he had to sell him a, a going rate. I think he might have got slightly over going rate. But Cronky didn't pay a penny out for them either because that was hedged against Arsenal's turnover. He borrowed it against Arsenal because he had 65% so he could do what he wanted. He voted that in for himself and paid, paid for that out of the club. So... And then uh, the, the another one I heard was, was oh, he's, he's paid off the stadium loan. The stadium loan's been a massive bone of contention with Arsenal fans ever <laughs> since they died. In 2012, when Hillwood famously said, said to Robin Van Persie, oh, look, we're a fantastically run football club. Why would you want to go anywhere else? Look at these figures. These figures are fantastic. We were paying £20 million. I just renegotiated the deal. I think it was £20 million or £27 million a year, well affordable for a club our size, turning over £400 million, to 2031. I think they just renegotiated it to elongate it slightly, to reduce the payments a little bit further. He didn't put a penny in the club. He renegotiated a loan, which is what we do when we want to build an extension or something. We put a little bit on our mortgage, or put a, little, a few extra years on. 
Jesus Christ, wake up and smell the coffee. What's the matter with everyone? This is the problem, though, Russ. And I want to bring this in. Before we bring in Natalie from our Burnley fan for the night, I want to bring this comment up and talk about it very quickly for a couple of minutes. So Mars Gunners put this, Cronky's a drug dealer and we're his addicts. He knows we will never walk away. Now, this is my massive problem here, Russ, because we have a fan base that cannot unite. We've tried it. We've done protests before. Fans fight. They're too busy talking about our bad. That's Dickie. I know, know Dickie. He's, he's a nice fella, Dickie. I, I speak go. to him a lot. Yeah. He's too busy, too busy fighting with each other, too busy talking about AFTV, too busy talking about whether Meza Ozil should be in the 25-man squad, too busy talking about whether Granite Chaka should be here, too busy talking about Bellerin taking foul throws. When it comes to actually having a voice together in one united fashion, Arsenal cannot do it. We've tried it. It never works. We Care Do You was the closest we ever got to getting the Cronkies by the nuts and the fan yeah. base messed it up. And, we, and by the way, Dan, we, we did have them by the nuts as well. And that one signing, the be excited, the famous be excited Pepe, signing. Be excited. be excited. Well, come on in, Josh. Where are you? Come and fucking talk to us. Come and talk to us and tell us why we should be excited. 14th, 15th in the league. Why should we be excited? The only reason you want us to be excited, so the money keeps spinning in through the turnstiles. That's the only reason you want us to be excited. Because I'm telling you now, if you could pay on the door, and this is where this is where modern football has gone wrong for the fan, you have to pay your tickets up front, and it's made like um, it's made like almost a cartel. When we used to go to Highbury in the seventies and eighties, you go to the pub. If it was pissing down with rain, you might think, "Oh, I'll, I'll give it ten minutes," and you could still get in at twenty past three because the gates were still open because they wanted your money. Because it was important to them. That turnstile money was bloody important to them. It's not important to them now because they've got you. They've got you. As soon as you buy your season ticket, they've got you. And people like me and you, it is our drug. We do. We love going. It's not just the football with me and you, is it? It's, it's the social day. It's yeah. doing all this after, having a rant, having a moan. There's nothing wrong with moaning about football clubs. It's been going on in pubs. For donkey's years. And we get all this stuff about, oh, don't be negative. It will affect the team. Well, it's fucking not done much fucking good so far being positive, has it? This is a state we're in being positive. We can't carry on being positive about a shitstorm. We have to fucking get rid of these people somehow. I don't know how. I'm not clever enough to know how. But doing nothing is not an option anymore. Doing nothing is not an option anymore. We have to do something. Even if it's flying planes across stadiums, We've brought Cronky out on it. I don't give a fuck. As long as we try to do something to embarrass the man. Embarrass him in front of his sponsors. That's how it hurts him. That's why we care to you got an immediate, <laughs> immediate response. <laughs> <laughs> fuck off, Lurch. <laughs> Russ, I love the passionate rant, man. I absolutely love it. And everyone does in the chat. As always, it's an absolute uh, pleasure to talk to you about anything Arsenal. And you make some great points, mate. You really do. We're going to move things forward. Um, we're going to have a 30-second ad break, and then I'm going to introduce you all to our Burnley fan, Natalie. So in 30 seconds, we'll be back. West Cork Beard Company make beard oil and beard balm for a strong, healthy, great looking beard handmade from all natural ingredients in Clonakilty, West Cork check out their YouTube channel for beard care tips and advice or catch them online at westcorkbeardcompany.ie if you haven't done your Christmas shopping already and you're leaving it late, that is a great present for your father, your granddad, your brother, your boyfriend, whoever. Get yourself some West Cork Beard Oil. Go over to the West uh, Cork Beard Oil Company. Call in our sponsors and please get yourself some. It is an absolute pleasure for me to introduce our Burnley fan for this evening from the No Nay Never podcast. It's Natalie. Natalie, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm, uh, Hi, I'm, I'm not really sure how to follow that. I was just listening to that rant. I was just like, oh, my God, what on earth have I walked into? See, all, the, 
All these southern softies say that, and all these southern softies have got no passion in them. I think I've just dispelled that myth. Absolutely, I will. <laughs> I will wholeheartedly support you if anybody tries to say that. It's, uh, there's, there's one thing you can definitely guarantee when you come on and, and join forces with the Arsenal fans, and that's you, you definitely get a good rant, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, How Nally, are you listen- all? Yeah, listen, we're good, and uh, you've obviously now met Russ, so welcome. I should have given—I should have put a disclaimer or pre-warned you that you know, but we are—we are not very—we're not very happy at the moment as Arsenal fans. But I no. want to ask you—I want to ask you how happy you are as Burnley fans because I think, listen, I'm a huge lover of Sean Dyche, and I'm a huge fan of some of your players. I've always been a lover of Nick Pope in goal. I think that Ben, me, and Tarkowski are a great partnership. I'm a huge great fan defenders. of Neil. Great defenders, proper defenders. Huge fan of McNeil, but. Is it fair to say that it's been a, a little bit of a deflating start to the season uh, for you guys? How has it been? Um, it's been an uncomfortable start to the season. I'm not sure deflated is the right word. Um, this is life every year for us. You know, we don't, you know, some seasons we uh, fly off out of the blocks and we have a really strong start to the season, but then we'll tend to have a difficult back end to the season. I think all of the Premier League seasons we've had, we've had a tale of two halves, absolutely. Um, I much prefer it when we have the stronger start and sort of like, you know, dip off a bit towards the end because you don't really like playing catch-up. But it's just uncomfortable more than anything. Now, you look at the fixtures we've played so far, we've played some tough teams in there. We've played a lot of the top sides at home, which you wouldn't necessarily expect to get any points from. I thought getting a point at Everton at the weekend was a good was a good bit of progress. Um, I'm more concerned and disappointed with the losses against teams around us at the beginning of the season who we would have expected to be competing with rather than being absolutely miles behind. Um, and I think I think what's bothering me more than anything is I think we are very guilty of being quite static this season, and we have relied heavily on the idea that we can just keep fighting and there will be three teams worse than us. Well, at the moment, there isn't. Um, and uh, teams that we wouldn't necessarily have expected to do as well at the Arsenal, or teams like uh, West Ham, Villa, Brighton, have suddenly really improved in the summer and have done what they needed to do. And we haven't. We've stayed quite static. And I think if you stay static in this division, you're going backwards. So, we are quite far behind where we need to be at the moment, I think. That's the worry. I think it's always going to be a worry when you're down there and you, nobody wants to be down that side of the table. And we, for the first time in, well, very, very long time, have been down there with you at the moment. And I think that that's why this <laughs> game is... Right. <laughs> well, you say that, but some Arsenal fans are worried, I'll tell you that. No, I mean, very worried. Yeah, the way we're Guys, playing is... is come on. Oh, trust me, the fine. way we're playing... We shall see. Yeah, but... does it, it's subjective, isn't there? For you guys, it's, it's you're not where you want to be, but where we are and where you are in terms of, of a season, I think we're in a much worse. I'd rather be in your position than ours, put it that way. It's, uh, it's relatively speaking, so I'll hope. I'll try and make you feel better that way. So what do you make of this game coming up on Sunday then, Natalie? Are you confident? Are you worried? It's a tough game at the Emirates, you'd, you'd say, but the way we're playing, uh, maybe you'd, you'd fancy yourself to take, take something from this. Um, I've been desperately wanting to beat you guys for ages. I'm I'm a really big fan of Arsenal. Um, my Mr. The current Mr. Bromley was has been an Arsenal fan his entire life until I made him be a Burnley fan. <laughs> but um, we have a very big soft spot, obviously, for Arsenal. Um, you know, I went. I've been away from to see them. I went down. Mitchell went to the um, uh, to the uh, Highbury on the last season before. Um, obviously, you moved ground. You know, I've, I've, I've got a soft spot for Arsenal, but I can't help but feel aggrieved by some of the unfair results that have gone our way over recent <laughs> years. Uh, we don't really have a rival in the Premier League because a lot of our local um, clubs and our local traditional rivals are still in the Championship, which is great, but you do miss that that uh, derby game every year. But I think Arsenal have kind of become our default rivals in the Premier League. Um, and, and I did think this last year, actually, I did think that last year was a really good opportunity for us to finally beat you. And of course, we got a really great point at, at Turf Moor. Um, our record at, at Arsenal's terrible away from home. I don't think we've ever won, um, or we haven't won in something like ninety years or something ridiculous. I, I, it, that's I'm, I'm hyperbole there, but I, there is a start that it's, it's a long time. Um, I, I guess I'd feel a little bit better if we were playing our absolute best and we had all of our players back and. 
we were, you know, playing same maybe how we were towards the back end of last season or the season before. Um, it's just frustrating that we're meeting you and, and, and having a chance to maybe take some points off you when we're also playing terribly as well. Um, this could be the the dullest nil-nil ever, you know, they still, yeah, this could be a horrific <laughs> game. Um, but any point away from home in the Premier League is a fantastic achievement, especially when you're at the bottom. So if we manage to get a point, I would be ecstatic. And um, if we lose, it won't be the end of the world because dropping points away at Arsenal is not the kind of result that defines your season. So that's I'm kind of pragmatic about it. Yeah, listen, I think it's the spot on everything you've said there. Russ, I'll come to you on this one because I've always had a bit of respect for Burnley, you know, in terms of what Sean Dyke has done at the club. You know, yeah. I, we, I remember me and you went there in February last year and we both had a, a good laugh and it was a boring nil-nil, as Natalie's just said that she thinks this one could be. And um, I remember just sitting there thinking, wow, this is one of the worst Arsenal sides I've seen. And <laughs> uh, nothing much has changed a year on, Russ. What do you make of uh, Burnley this season, Russ, going into this game? They're a bit like us. They're they're shipping a few goals and they're and they're not scoring any, which is a big problem. I've always I've I've always um since Chris Wood's been there, I've always liked I've always enjoyed watching him play. He's a he's a proper handful for any defence. Um, and as as you alluded to earlier on, Tarkovsky and me, they're a fine centre back partnership. They uh they do hold the fault for them admirably. So. Uh, yeah, Pope in goal. Uh, is it Loughton, the fullback? Is he still there, Loughton? He's a good player. Uh, well, he's been... Phil Bars has been playing over Matt Lawton, to be honest, during the moment. But yeah. Bars uh, is tested positive, so um, Lawton's back in the side at the back moment. Side, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd actually feel more comfortable having Barsley at the back. I think Lawton's getting a little bit slow now. Um, there's some forwards in this league that it, literally he can't even catch yeah. up with them. So I'd feel better if Barsley was there, to be honest. Well, Natalie, can we come into your team news? Because uh, we're not sure what, what it's going to be. Well, what's the team going to be on Sunday for you guys? We literally only have about 12 players, so it's going to be absolutely... <laughs> it's going to be fine. Um, it's interesting you were saying, actually, about current form. And I, and I think one of the things that um, we need to be mindful of is that when we started this season after lockdown finished and, we, we you know, a, a project restart was done, we had seven first-team players out injured. Now, that's going to affect any side, but especially when you've got a squad as small as ours. And both Tarkovsky and Ben Mee were injured at the beginning of the season. So we had um, we had a, a youth team player and we had Kevin Long at, at centre-half, which was just a terrible combination. And since Ben Mee and Tarki have come back into the side, we've looked a lot stronger. So the back five will be Nick Pope, Lawton and Charlie Taylor at, at both uh, full-backs and the centre-halves will be me and Tarkovsky will play um, I don't know if Brownhill's back actually I expect we'll play Brownhill and Westwood in the centre we'll play McNeil on the left and we'll play Goodmanson on the right and we'll play Chris Wood and Jay Rodriguez up front so it'll be 4-4-2 um, I, I don't really know what's going to happen I think Brady's gone off injured again so I don't know if we've got cover oh, on the left I just come back <laughs> yeah and honestly that poor guy I really feel for him he had the potential to have a real in a side like Burnley, I had the potential to be a starter every week in the Premier League and get a really decent uh, amount of caps under his belt. But he's just been the most honestly, him and Goodmanson are made out of glass. I swear to God, that <laughs> you know we're not a we side. But we don't have any creativity in the side. So our only two players who can give us any creativity are literally the most injury prone in the world. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that that's how I expect it will go. Um, I don't think he'll. I think he's. I think we've gone past the point now of having Ashley Barnes and Chris Wood up front, and I'm. I'm kind of pleased about that. Um, I think. I think we've moved past that now as a, as a team. I think we've evolved and not just they're too similar and just playing four four two with two great big target men up front. It just. It just means you're constantly seeing that long ball and that hoof it up front. And we've got better technical players in the team now than that stereotype permits. So I'm. I'm much happier now. We've got. Jay up, up top. So that's that's what you'll be facing for sure. Fair play. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say great comment and please like the video. 138 of you watching under 50 likes. Please hit the like button. It's really important to us. So please do so. And thank you very much for Shane for your comment. Uh, right, Russ. Um, Burnley, you've got some danger men. Natalie's just, just uh, kind of mentioned some of them, Wood, Rodriguez, McNeil, uh, and whenever they're fit, Brady and Goodmanson. But I feel like there is a style 
that they play, which is very, very hard to break down. And at the moment, we're not scoring goals. So how are we going to take three points out of this one, Russ? Depends which... <laughs> it depends if he plays the Thursday night team or the Sunday team. Um, I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss, really. If, if, if Burnley do what Tottenham and Wolves did to us, I, I, I think it could be um, another bad day at the office for us. I, I really can't see us... We haven't got what I, what I call a, a proper centre-forward. The, the, the style he's playing, I'd say, we're whipping all these crosses in. We need a proper centre-forward, and we just haven't got one of them. People say about Aubameyang not getting service, but if you're playing a possession-based game, he's not going to get service. If we play on the counter-attack, which would make for a very boring game at home, Burnley sitting back and us sitting back, waiting for each other to, to counter-attack each other. It could be a little bit of a sore fest. Well, Norman's, Norman's come up with saying, he says, is it possible to swap the Burnley forwards for this game as we'll be putting in a load of crosses? No, it's I think a, he's got a, a good point, point, to be honest. Between us, we could make a great side, couldn't we? If we yes. just swap the players around, it'd be great. We, 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 we are a team in transition and I just can't wait for this season to be over already. I shouldn't be wishing my life away at my age, but... I just can't wait for this season to be over so we can get rid of some of this dross that we've accumulated yeah. and we can yeah. uh, and move on and perhaps get some answers to your questions. Uh, Martinelli, if Martinelli was playing, Martinelli's the sort of player that can open up a team like Burnley. He could just change the game, um, but he's not going to be playing. Yeah, Saka can do it. Training, Saka, yeah, Saka can do it. is a good player at opening up teams. If, if he can get his final ball in there, which he, you know, his final ball is pretty good, Saka, we just got to get someone who's going to be daring enough to bust a gut and get in there and put it, put itself where it hurts. And we don't seem well, to. Russ, have I want to bring up. To that. I want to. I want to bring up this because I think it's important about our team lineup personally. So this is what I would go with um, personally. Okay. Now we have seen uh, this Thursday night side <clears throat> do something which we haven't seen the Sunday uh, side do, and that's have some energy, some athleticism, some creativity, and. They're scoring goals. Now, I don't care who the opposition is. I don't care if it's Dundalk or if it's Real Madrid. You beat the team in front of you and you play a style. And I've seen more excitement on a Thursday night than I have done on a Sunday or a Saturday. That, that, that team now, that plays on a Thursday night, Dan, has got some something called identity. It has got something yes. going for it. You can sort of see a plan coming together, can't you? Yes. I'd have all those old pros, all those old pros, Arsenal pros, in a in a in a room with a with a chalkboard, and I'll be saying this and in a video screen, and saying, "Look what these boys are doing at the beginning of their career." Surely mm. you have got professional pride in you still to try and match some of this. I just find it staggering that players like Shaka and Bellerin just well, continually get in the team. I've put together two sides because obviously this is not the one I expect him to go with. But I wanted no, to put this not. side together because I feel like it would do something more against Burnley. So I'm going to read it out because we have a few audio listeners, one being Mr. Andy Nunn, who always wants it on audio. So I'm going to read the team out that I think he should go with and I'd like to see. And it's Leno in goal, a centre-back pairing of Pablo Marie and Gabriel, Tini left-back, Cedric right-back, a midfield three of Maitland-Niles, Moel Nenny, uh, Smith-Rowe, in the kind of uh, forward kind of number 10 or whatever you want to call it. Saka on the left, Reese Nelson on the right and Balogun up front. Now, I was really <laughs> impressed with Balogun up front the other day when he came on last night. He'd done more than Eddie has ever done. He looks to me as if he's more of a style of a Lukaku or a Drogba where he holds the ball up well, can spin, can shoot, knows where the goal is. And he's finished for us. They're different players, though, Ben, aren't they? They're different Completely players. different. Completely yeah. different styles. Yeah. So I would love to see that. Now, I'm not so sure that's going to happen, personally. Um, I don't think <laughs> these guys are going to be given the, the go. And that frustrates me with Arteta. So what I've done is I've put together what I think he probably will be. And this just kind of deflates me, Russ, if I'm honest with you, because I've seen it all before. I see it against Spurs. I see it against Wolves. I've seen it against what I believe is... Uh, sorry, Matt, it's the same one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's wishful thinking. That is wishful thinking. Um because as, as far as I'm concerned, I'm looking at the team now thinking, I know what it's going to be. It's going to be frustrating to to kind of uh, watch. But 
we've seen it all before. He's not shown me anything different, Mikel Arteta. And I think that's the most frustrating thing for me is that we have seen the same Arsenal team. And this is what I think the team will be. I think he's going to go with Leno in goal. I think Bellerin will keep his place at right back, even though he's taken five foul throws in 11 games. I think Kieran Tierney will uh, play at left back, which I'm happy with. And I'm happy with Gabriel at left centre back. He seems to love Rob Holding at right centre back now. I think that he's got ahead of David Luiz and David Luiz is having a late fitness check. So I expect holding to remain there. I still think he'll go with Granite Chaka and Danny Ceballos because we didn't see on Thursday night Granite Chaka start and we didn't see Ceballos play a full game. I believe Alex Lacazette and Aubameyang is trying to get them working together. So I think Lacazette will play up top with Aubameyang and I think he'll go with Willian on the right and Saka on the left. Russ, does that team fill you with any confidence whatsoever, or am I being a little bit harsh to say that it doesn't doesn't fill me with any pleasure? There the used to be a defender called, I think his name was Daniel Costa Curta. He used to play for AC Milan, and even Costa Curta, world class defender, would struggle with Bellerin in front of him at right back. There we that, go. That, I'm afraid that Bellerin has had so many chances. He's a lovely chap, you know. He's he's a nice bloke. He plants a few trees and that. And where's your <laughs> the odd camp outfit? Uh, a mate of mine in the downtown LA said about Bellerin: if uh, he, if he can go ten games without committing a foul throw, he's going to plant ten ten trees in downtown <laughs> LA. <laughs> 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 I mate Lawrence, that was in a laugh back this morning. But Jacka. Has got two speeds. He's got tortoise and tortoise overdrive. That's that, that's his two yeah. speed. Even he as an is. outsider, how is he still like every time I see him play? Thank I'm just you, like, Natalie. Really? How is he still in this side? It's it's well just painful. Nudes. I think he's got nudes of Arteta, Natalie. I think that's what it is. <laughs> there's, a, there's a few of them going around. I think there's a, there's a few compromising pictures doing the rounds. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a lot of compromising it. pictures about our managers over the years. I think that's what, half the problem is why these players get selected. <laughs> it's not on well, form. Is. That's one of my one of my big worries with Arteta. He, a player can be playing really well in that Thursday night side, and he's not getting a shout, is he? He's not getting a. I mean, El Nenny. What what did El Nenny do wrong? What did El Nenny do wrong to be dropped? Was I he know, injured? Was he suspended? Well, he played really well at Old Trafford. He was he was probably my man of the match at Old Trafford. Easily, easily he was. And it's not um, just him, Russ. I'm looking at Ainsley Maitland-Niles every Thursday night playing well. Doesn't get in the side ahead of Bellerin or in the midfield ahead of Chaka. I'm looking at Reese Nelson playing well. I know he was injured last night, apparently, so he may not get the nod. But he's been playing well. Balogun's been coming on and doing more than Lacazette or Aubameyang have done put together. So I'm looking at these situations now and I think, why not try something different? Why are we just throwing Joe Willick in there and expecting something to work? It's not going to happen. You know, we've we've tried so many different formations now with the three at the back, then the five at the back, then the four at the back. And he's not changing the personnel. So we're getting the perhaps, same results. Perhaps, perhaps the job's too big for him, Dan. Well, this is my this is what I believe now. And people say I'm harsh. I I don't I I've been asking questions since Man City game uh, under when David Luiz got sent off because I asked the question of if someone does that, why do you offer someone a new contract? Why do you want Mustafi to stay? Why are you still playing Kalasadak in the Thursday night side? Why are you allowing Urzil and Socrates to train with the first side? What's wrong I said with to you before. I said to you before. I said to you before, Dan, didn't I? Sorry to interrupt you. I, I said to you before, I, I'm worried about this stack DNA thing in the club and whether it's being used to analyse our own players because I've got a theory that a lot of our players are very, very good in training and they probably have matchups with the Thursday night side playing against the, the Sunday side and they probably do really well and, and, and play, play the other side off the park in training games. But I'm telling you now, a lot of those players are bottleless. They've got no yeah. bottle when it comes to Weak the big mentality. occasion. They've got a weak mentality. And when a player like he good old Hector comes out and says, well, yeah, we we weren't really sorry to see the back, back of Alexis Sanchez. He wanted to win a bit too much, really. Oh, I mean, that oh. just tells you everything you, you need to know about Arsenal Football Club. Uh, the mentality is not there to win things. It's there to win the odd FA Cup. Look, we sound entitled bitchy children, but... We weren't sold a dream to move from Highbury to win the FA Cup. The FA Cup, let's be honest, you can be very lucky and win the FA Cup. 
which we were on a couple of occasions with draws. Well, listen, draws. Wigan, Wigan won it and went down. Birmingham won the League Cup and went down. Went you down. Know, you yeah. know, so it, it, I'd, I'd quite like to win the FA Cup. Can I just put that on record? <laughs> that listen, I have a wonderful day out. Sympathy Natalie. for you right now, but I'm also being a bit like. <laughs> it's a wonderful We've got the opposite problem of you, actually, Russ. We've got all of the fight and all the heart and all of the commitment in the world. Like how Sean Dyche gets those players who are knackered and not getting a rest and not got the support behind yeah. them on some of the lowest salaries in the Premier League to literally put their head on the line for that game is incredible. And, and our, players, player. our so, players should take a look at your players and think, there but for the great grace of God go me or I, because... If they don't pull their fingers out, they're going to be playing not at Arsenal anymore, wherever it may be. Let's get it right. Arsenal's still a very big club, not blowing our own trumpet. We are we're a worldwide yeah. club, worldwide yeah. brand. And you should be proud to pull that shirt on. That that as I said before, the, the three sayings about Arsenal: history, class, and tradition, right? We've got the history, but I'm afraid the class and the tradition have been thrown in the bin. And it's not just a fan uh, bitching because we're in a bit of a bad run. I've been saying the same thing now for eight or ten years. So it, it does, even as an outsider looking in. If you said to me now, like, describe me what Arsenal Football Club is about, I couldn't do it. Like, you've lost that identity. That Our you identity had. is gone. Yeah, when you were back, when you were still at Highbury, and I know it's difficult because there's a big ground change and everything, but when you were at Highbury and you had solid foundations behind you and you had a long-serving manager and obviously managers have to change, but you knew what Arsenal Football Club stood for. You knew what the passion was there. You knew what the community was and you knew what the fans were and you do look at Arsenal now and you just think mm, I'm not sure I know what your identity is anymore uh, Jimmy Greaves, I'm sure we'll get it back I'm sure Jimmy Greaves famously said didn't he he famously said that when Arsenal used to turn up at White Hart Lane they always used to be tur turn up in their navy blue suits with the big cannon on the on the on the uh, buttonhole there and they said they looked the nuts. He said, and he said that just said everything about Arsenal Football Club. It was classy, much classier than us. Yeah. And we'd won, and they'd won the double like the, the year before or something, Tottenham. And they was, and he was saying then that Arsenal just a classy club. But I just don't feel we are anymore. I just feel we're a, we were just we a shadow of it. We always I get think, told Yeah, I think you're better than you think you are. This is always a difficult thing to analyse as fans. That there's a there's a very difficult situation with fans because you can't have really passionate fans who care about the bloodline and the, the life and soul of the club and then expect them to be objective and calm and rational about things. You can't exactly. have one without the other. So there exactly. has to be subject, subjective here. So I completely agree that where you guys are standing, because of the passion that you have for that club, that you feel like that... But I would also just issue a word of caution and just say it's it's probably not as bad as what you think it is at the moment. You still have that brand. You still have the backing. You are still respected as a club. Um, yes, you're not quite going in the direction that you want to as fans at the moment. And you're maybe not growing as much as you wanted to when you had the move and you were promised the next 10-year plan and the next generation of, of, of life at Arsenal. But it's not all doom and gloom. I think it's you're probably not as far away from being where you need to be as you think you are. So when you when you take away that passion, which you, you should never ever lose, yeah. um, in moments of calm, I think you will be able to find a way out of this. I'm pretty sure of it. Well, I think we need to. You know, we were always told about the Arsenal way. I think we've lost that. You know, I said as soon as Arsene Wenger was uh, came out and said that he was leaving, people asked me who do I want. I said Diego Simeone straight away, and people told me, "Oh, we can't have him. He plays defensive football. It's not the Arsenal way." What is the Arsenal way then? Because the Arsenal way at Highbury, I understood, but in the Emirates, it's completely lost its identity. Anyway, we could be on here for another hour talking about this, but we do have to start wrapping up. Uh, Natalie, I'm going to come to you at the end. Um, uh, before I ask for predictions, I always ask this question on uh, when I get people on. What Arsenal player would you love to have in the Burnley side right now? Aubameyang. <laughs> Straight away. Is, is there another one? <laughs> is there another one? <laughs> he would score goals for Burnley because... He would? Because... Teams will push up on you and there'll be space behind. They don't do that to us. They don't give us any room. Of the green. He would have so much space. The, the, the rest of the players would just give him so much space to go forward. He, he would love it, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I definitely wouldn't swap Ben Mead for David Louise. 
<laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, 100%. I don't blame you. No way. Uh, Russ, let's come to you. What Burnley player would you have in the Arsenal? Because I know who I'd have. I'd probably have... I, I like Tarkovsky. Yeah, I like that's who I, 100%. I'd I like have Tarkovsky. I'd have Tarkovsky. I, I see him doing things an Arsenal captain should do. I see him cajoling players. I see him... T- telling people to pick this one up, do this and do that. He's a leader on the pitch, and that's what we haven't had for donkey's years. Mm. He's a very yeah, good player. I, type of I'm like. it, do so well. it do so well as well. It's a bit of a strange one with him in that I do I do want him to go now because I just think he's I think being at Burnley's holding him back. And I just I want to see him fulfill his potential. It's a weird thing. I want him to go wow. now. I want us to sell him. I want to give wow. him that opportunity to 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 get into the England side and do really well at a big club. I'm amazed he hasn't been given the chance, if I'm honest. I see some other defenders, you know. There's there's Connor Cody, James Tarkowski and Lewis Dunk that I think they've always deserved to get England calls up. We've now mm-hmm. seen Cody go forward, but we've seen other players ahead of them for me. which Tyrone think... Mings, hello. Tyrone Mings, you know, what's going on what there? What is that? What is Unbelievable. that? Unbelievable. I mean, not a dreadful player, but by no way means any... any anywhere well, near well, well down the pecking order when you've mentioned those names. Well, I think Good so. Tyrone Ty- 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 Mings has improved greatly. Yeah, uh, yeah, since um, Dean is it Dean Smith and it their manager since yeah. he's been there, he's improved out of all, out of all sight, but not in that same class. Not for he's, me. He's I got a big, he's got a big yeah. ricket in him, Tyrone. Got a big ricket in him. Yeah, I think Tarkowski for me. I'd have him straight in the Arsenal side. Uh, predictions before we finish, Natalie. Let's start with you. What do you think the score is going to be on Sunday? <laughs> one one. Okay, a 1-1 draw. Russ, I'm going to hand over to you before I give my prediction. Go I, I was going to say exactly the same, 1-1. Oh, you're kidding me. I'm going 1-1 as well. We can't all Look have the same. No, 1-1. I said that on a group a group chat a minute ago, and I got called negative. So, <sighs> Really? The way we're playing? Come I'd be on. well happy with a 1-1 draw. Well, listen, we've got quite a few people agreeing in the chat. We've got Neil Nils as well. We've got 1-1s. We've got a couple of 2-1 Arsenals. Um, I think it's going to be 1-1. I've said 1-1 for a few days now. I don't see either team scoring more than a goal because I don't think that we're playing well enough either side. We're finding it hard. I think that both teams have proved this season they also don't leak leak four or five goals. Um, So as far as I'm concerned, a 1-1 is a very sensible shout. Uh, Natalie, would you take 1-1? Oh, hell yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. yeah absolutely. So would I at the moment. I was going to say that. Russ, would you, honestly, Russ, would you take 1-1, one, one, Russ, honestly? Yeah, because it's a six-pointer. This is a, this is a six-pointer. Honestly. My God. Is it? it is. Listen, they used to say things about Nottingham Forest. They're too good to go down. Leeds, they're too good to go down. Big clubs, European Championship winning club. Yeah, Nottingham Forest, Ipswich, too, Ipswich, too Ipswich good to go up. down. They went down. It's... Well, seriously, do you think that you are worse and you're going to finish below Sheffield United, Burnley, Fulham? Uh, if we don't start winning games, yes. If we don't start winning games, we've got to win games. We have got, we've got to win the next two games. If we don't yeah. win the next two games... We are in serious trouble. You're, go- you're going to be fine, Russ. Ah, listen, <laughs> go to your happy place, Turf Moor. <laughs> happy place, Turf Moor. Happy place, Turf Moor. <laughs> I'm an old egg. I'm an old egg, Natalie. I've seen. I've seen a similar thing happen in 1974-75 when, when we had a lot of players either came to the end of their useful life or they were transferred too early, and we ended up with a very weak squad, which is exactly what's happened now. And I'm seeing people playing without confidence, exactly the same as then, lack of goals, letting goals in. It's exactly the same. And uh, <clears throat> I hope to be proved wrong, but I think we are in for a rocky road until we get reinforcements in. They're not Mr. good enough. Simple Mr. as. Kevin, Mr. Kevin Campbell is agreeing with you, Natalie, and says, tell them, Natalie, we're not going down. Yeah, he says that on here. He didn't say that to down. me the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be fine. It's going Kevin to be fine. Campbell. You're going to be fine. Then we'll be fine. I hope so. I hope so. Guys, um, I've really enjoyed this tonight. It's been true. It's been passionate. It's been insightful. Natalie, thank you so much for coming on. You're welcome. My really appreciate it. And uh, how can people follow you on Twitter and uh, social media? Yeah, my Twitter handle for my direct one is at Natalie underscore Bromley. And our podcast is at No Nay Never. Um, So, yeah, get in touch. 
Brilliant. Uh, great podcast. All Burnley fans listening, please head over to the No Name Never podcast and listen to Natalie and the guys over there. Russ, it's been a pleasure, man. I hope you've enjoyed it. You've had some passionate rants and I hope uh, you feel I'm gonna better get now. Slaughtered. I know I'm going to get slaughtered for being negative, but years <laughs> of being over positive as... Uh, over positivity is naivety. That's my watchword. There we go. I think, listen, what we're saying, we're saying it because, and I've been negative at times, because we hurt, we feel You're it. Concerned. We feel we're concerned. We are we're concerned. We're very concerned. We are. Absolutely we are. But let's hope that we can turn things around because we have to try and remain as positive as we can be. But it is very difficult when we're playing like this at the moment. So, guys, thank you all so much. Thank you to everyone in the chat room. Uh, almost 200 of you tonight. Absolutely superb. Please all like and subscribe if you haven't done so already. Come and follow myself and uh, Guna Russ. You can follow Russ at Guna Russ. Uh, 11 and you can follow myself at dan arsenal 87 if you haven't done so already please follow the same old arsenal podcast which is at same old afc in capitals on twitter and until then hopefully we will see you on monday with three points to talk about up the arsenal have a gathers sports social podcast network with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.